Hello and welcome to Foreign Roots, the podcast for culturally oriented travel. I'm Juliet and today's episode will be focusing on what I mean when I say culturally oriented travel. But more than that, I'm going to be giving you kind of an inside look on how you can be achieving that travel that's far richer than just your simple kind of tourist experiences, which don't get me wrong, can be quite fun. But I don't think that they're the absolute best way to travel. And so I'm going to be explaining different means of going about how to make your experience much richer for you and everyone else around you. Now that includes obviously immersing yourself into the culture, how to approach doing so, but beyond that, how to get yourself there. So I'll be going through a few tips and tricks, which are of course all over the internet, so I sincerely hope I am not the first place you're hearing about any of these, but I will go over them nonetheless and kind of give you some resources to allow you to make travel much more accessible for yourself and anyone else you feel like taking along. I personally don't travel very often with a ton of people, but I found recently that once I've kind of established how I function in a travel environment, how I function in a very transient way. Now that I know myself in those kind of situations, I'm much more equipped to deal with traveling with other people. So if that's what you plan on doing, kudos to you. It took me quite a while to figure out how to do it without going completely mad. But if you are able to, I seriously commend you. But that's not the point of this episode. The point of this episode is to give you some framework to work around so that you are able to enrich your experience, of course. So what I'm going to begin with, and I think this is the most absolutely important thing that I could ever establish when I'm saying make a real, genuine, culturally immersive experience for yourself, the best way to go about doing that is to stop telling yourself you can't. And I mean that in every sense. Stop telling yourself you can't afford going on this trip. Stop telling yourself that you can't do it. Stop telling yourself that it's too dangerous. Just stop giving excuses to yourself and everyone around you. All that does is deprive you of the opportunity to truly get outside of your comfort zone, to discover new things about yourself, to discover new things about the world. And that's truly not fair, especially not now, because things and experiences should be within your grasp. The world is so, so connected, and you deserve, and you have the ability to take advantage of that. And the first step is to stop telling yourself you can't. That sounds completely cheesy, and it sounds like I am doing my best to be a motivational speaker, 
but I promise that is the biggest obstacle I think anybody faces. Something I get asked about a lot is how I can possibly afford to go on all these trips. And my initial reaction in my brain is, well, first of all, I can't. I scrape together every means possible in order to make anything real for myself. And when I'm in different locations, I take absolute full advantage of any kind of opportunity that is free, that is, <laughs> well, that absolutely doesn't cost money, which is the very definition of free. But I take advantage of the fact that I have very limited resources to my name. And I find that that gives me a little bit of a better picture for not only how most people live in wherever I'm at, because the reality of it is where you are, most people don't live in a five-star hotel. They don't have these amazing meals constantly. They don't go on cruises or these amazing excursions that are offered in so many different locations. And believe me, they are fantastic. If I were given the chance to have those experiences, I would not say no necessarily, but in approaching any kind of situation or trip through the lens of very limited funds and very limited resources, you get a feel for what actual real life is like. Because again, you don't have five-star meals all the time where you live at hotels. You don't go on all the tourist trips. You don't go on whale-watching tours. You don't... I don't even know what else people do on fancy travel trips. I guess I haven't gone on that many. <laughs> if you do live like that, I can tell you that I am absolutely jealous and bravo to you. Budget travel probably will not help you at all. However, for a lot of people, and especially now, as it's becoming a very, very trendy, very contemporary thing, this budget travel, we have access to hostels that cost $7 a night, or some of them cost upwards of 30 but we have so many platforms, we have couch surfing, you have meetup, you have Airbnb, which... I find to be very cheap and a really good way to travel if I'm with a group of people. By myself, it's never been very economical. It's been very comfortable, but it's usually far more economical to stay in a hostel. But my absolute favorite way to travel and experience new places is to stay with friends. Now, that means that I get a very interesting experience purely because that means that I'm spending time with someone who I've already established a connection with someone that I already understand even if I haven't seen or spoken to or heard from that person in a decent amount of time the thing about making friends while you're traveling in this kind of liminal space in your life where 
you're in between and you're not quite settled down, is that every most, well, not everybody, but most of the people you meet are also at that stage in life. And it creates this unique bond where it doesn't matter whether you keep in touch constantly, but you kind of both understand each other in a way that you don't quite understand the rest of your friends. Because you've come to an agreement and you kind of both understand that you are not going to constantly be in contact. And so when you are, when you get to stay with those people, they are far more excited. They, I mean, I personally love when people come to visit me and I get to show them how I experience the way that I live, the bars that I go to on a regular basis, cafes, interesting places about my city, because it also allows me to explore the culture that I live in, this life that I developed for myself. And to give other people that opportunity, I find it's good for everybody involved and it's way more fun because you learn about people as you go as well. But more than that, from a very selfish perspective, when I stay with people in their countries or in their cities or in their homes, it does cut down on costs a lot. So in that sense, it does make travel far more accessible. Now, obviously, this is not quite an option if you're going to be traveling for a very long time, if you're going to be traveling with a group of people, or if you're just starting out because you don't have those connections established yet. And in that case, I say be patient or find another means. I haven't made these friends just on a complete whim. I've made them over the past several years of my life. It's taken a long time. And there are still places that I absolutely want to go so desperately. And I'm trying to figure out how on earth I can afford them. And it would be so much easier if I could find a friend in those locations. So if you have the opportunity to stay with somebody, go for it. And in my experience, most people won't turn you away. In fact, people sometimes bend over backwards, very surprisingly, in order to accommodate you. And that's another element to this that I absolutely love. So it just makes the whole experience better on a whole for, again, for everybody involved. But it also gives you and insights to actual day-to-day -day life. I stayed with a friend in Trinidad, and she lived with her grandmother. And my experience in Trinidad was amazing. I was only there for five days, and we didn't even do the majority of kind of the touristy attractions and that kind of thing. But oh my god, one of my absolute favorite things about Trinidad was the food and the food was so amazing specifically because her grandmother lived with them and she made food for us every day I had breakfast lunch and dinner handmade by her grandmother and it was so so fantastic and you don't have that when you stay in a hostel you don't have that when you stay in a hotel and so if you get the chance go for it. But I'll stop talking about that. Another very, very popular way to approach budget traveling and to approach 
living in new places for a long period of time is to either stay at or arrange to work at a hostel. This is the most obvious thing when you hear people go backpacking Europe for three months, they stay in hostels. People go backpacking South America, which is fantastic, highly recommend it. But when you go backpacking in a location, you immediately think, oh, big backpack, hippie clothes, maybe dreadlocks. They're really common, and I don't want them to be common because that is a very big stereotype, but they're still pretty common. I think it might be dying down as a trend. I hope it is. I really do. But anyway, if you are on a tight budget and you haven't quite established a place you can genuinely live in a location, or you're not even looking to live in a location for a long period of time, then absolutely go find a hostel. They are usually so amazing. And what is so interesting about the culture of the hostels themselves is that they kind of have a life of their own. You aren't necessarily immersed in local culture, but you do have the opportunity to be, depending on where you are. For example, most hosts in hostels, especially the ones who are actually from the country or city that you are staying in, will have amazing insights as to what you can go and do and see in the city. I've been to some absolutely amazing restaurants, street food vendors, and markets that were just outside city limits and not advertised really anywhere, which were completely filled, which were completely filled with only local people. And because I was told to go there by someone who actually lived in that location, it felt a little bit more intimate and gave me a better kind of grasp on what was going on in the city rather than just going out to party all the time. The really, really big benefit though to hostels is that you do have the option to associate it with other travelers. And in this, you make friends, you establish connections, and you sometimes meet people who are looking for something similar to what you're looking for in that instance of travel. For example, when I was in Ecuador, a friend and I had just finished attending the La Mama Negra Festival, which I just talked about in the last episode, so hopefully you know what I'm referring to. If not, go back and listen, or don't. You really don't have to. Uh, but we had just finished this really, really fun, engaging, super exorbitant festival. It was fantastic. And we were hanging out at the hotel the next day in the morning, and I sat down to have breakfast, and I was waiting for my friend to come back down after packing all of her stuff so we could kind of get on the road because we wanted to climb Cotopaxi, which is a volcano in the Latacunga province of Ecuador. It was a fantastic experience on its own. But what I ended up doing over breakfast at the hostel was to make a friend with this couple from Germany who was also looking to explore Cotopaxi National Park. And along the way, we also met two girls from Seattle who were also looking for something similar. And the group of us all made our way to Cotopaxi. And as we did so, the whole trip was way cheaper because we were able to take a bus instead of, I mean, we probably would have taken a bus anyway, but you do feel a little bit more secure on strange bus rides when you have a group of people. But we were also able to 
hire a guide like private for us for a small group of people and it was very inexpensive relative to what it would have been if there had only been the two of us or even just one person because you do have to hire the entire truck you do have to hire the guide and the everything else that goes along with it and you're hiring them for the entire day or for the duration of whatever activity you're doing and so by traveling in that group we made it more economical for us but we also got to know these people and had you know different experiences and stories to share other than just the two of us talking and don't get me wrong super interesting conversations between the two of us but it is nice to sometimes have random conversations with complete strangers and find similarities and hostels offer that as something that people can obviously do and it's one of the absolute major pluses for hostels ask any backpacker is that the social element to hostels is what attracts most people to them because often when you're traveling by yourself or you're traveling as an individual fresh out of university fresh out of high school just quit your job whatever it is when you're alone it's awesome to be by yourself and it is amazing to be self-sufficient solo travel is in its own right something that everyone should do and everyone should experience because it teaches you so much but we are a social animal humans need interaction with other people at least occasionally and hostels are a very 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 easy way for us to find that kind of social interaction and to fulfill that need while we're on the road it's so incredibly easy to start a conversation with someone to change a conversation to leave a conversation to sit down and start being that stereotypical guy in the corner playing guitar and i probably shouldn't talk i bring my ukulele to half of the countries that I go to, but <laughs> there are interesting characters that you can find in hostels everywhere. And so they're appealing in the sense that they're usually very cheap, but they also give you lots of different opportunities to learn about local culture, to completely abandon that and just go out and have an amazing night with complete strangers and to meet and get advice from people who have been traveling in a place that you want to go but to hear what they have to say about that location so you can kind of tailor your own experience to what you might have learned from someone else. So that is one easy way as well because having conversations with people while you're on the road kind of lets you evaluate whether an attraction that you found online or that you heard about from someone else is worth going to because you're hearing from another traveler that well, it wasn't quite what I was looking for there. It costs too much money. It's not really worth the entrance fee. Or sometimes, actually very often, you'll hear, yeah, the whatever whatever it is that you're trying to figure out is worth going to. Yeah, that's really amazing. And if you want to do it, go for it. But at the same time, there's this other cheaper, more interesting, less visited option that's almost the exact same. For example, the Inca ruins in, obviously, in South America. But you can climb Machu Picchu, absolutely. And if you ever get that opportunity, I totally commend you for that. And I say go for it because I really wish I could. But I do know that there are much cheaper ruins and much cheaper hikes that are more accessible 
not only monetarily, but also like feasibly. They're shorter, they're less altitude, but and they're less traveled. So there's less of a wait time, more immediate. But you kind of learn about those things as you talk to people and as you converse. And that in and of itself makes travel far more accessible to you in a way that's more unique and less focused on I'm going to go visit the Eiffel Tower. I'm going to go take photos of Big Ben. Here's a photo of me sitting in a hammock on the beach, which is never really a bad thing. Hammocks and beaches are a match made in heaven in my mind. But at the same time, there's more to being in a location than just seeing those sites. And I think, especially if you're listening to this, you agree with me there, at least a little bit. Or if you mutual understanding that that's something you should kind of reach beyond and move on from. So, I'm going to move on from accommodation a little bit here, even though there's obviously so many other options. I very briefly mentioned couch surfing. I very briefly mentioned meetup. You can also try online forums. And again, when you meet people, you'll kind of roll with it and learn a little bit more. I do have a, an elaboration of this in an article up on the website if you want to take a look. It's in the Travel 101 blog bit. So if you do want more information, there are links and everything there. Otherwise, feel free to shoot me an email. So now I'm going to continue on with the idea of budget traveling. But I don't want to give you tips on how to save money, Google free events, seriously. There's a wealth of information online for budget traveling. There are a few things I do want to say, though. Um, is first of all, don't assume that the people you meet along the road or anyone you know that's traveling all the time necessarily has a ton of money. A lot of us are absolutely scraping it together. And the way we do that is to set up a budget to work within that budget, which is very difficult sometimes, but to also be prepared for kind of unforeseen circumstances. I was in Germany a few months ago, and I ended up paying about 300 pounds more than I ever intended to. In fact, the only reason I was there is because I found a round-trip ticket for 30 pounds on Ryanair, of course. And I jumped on it. I said, hell yes, I'm buying this. And I kind of worked out all the details afterwards. But I ended up in super weird situations and it ended up costing me way more money than I intended, than I predicted, and than I really planned for. And that's where having an emergency fund definitely helped me out. So if that's not something that you have, I really would caution you from going on that trip because you should have your budget you should have travel insurance always you should have travel insurance and the other key little thing in that triad is you should have an emergency fund and in that fund in that savings account or on that credit card well you shouldn't be necessarily using your credit card more often than not you can't use your credit card for this these kind of instances but in that emergency fund, you should have enough money to get yourself home from whatever location you're in. 
Travel insurance, if you're ever in an emergency situation, should cover that, especially if you have good travel insurance. But if you don't, whatever your emergency budget is, you should definitely have enough to get yourself home. That's I, I never go anywhere if I don't have those three things on me. And I think that's of paramount importance because people tend to forget that and then you end up in awful situations and there's really nothing you can do. And if you have a cushion, if you have a little bit to fall back on, yeah, it's going to take you more time to save up for your trip, but it's so worth it to not completely bleed yourself dry if you should need to access that. Money-wise, how people afford to travel is they work and work and work and work. In any case in life, not even just relating to travel, but in literally any case, if you care about something, if you prioritize a goal, then it becomes far more accessible. If you're sitting daydreaming in class, if you're sitting at your job in your office and you daydream about a beach you'd like to go to or a mountain you'd like to climb, those dreams are not going to come true unless you act on them. And in order for you to act on them, you need to prioritize achieving that goal, achieving those dreams. And that sounds ridiculously cheesy, but it's true. There are fundamental pieces to making travel work. And the first thing, like I say, is don't give yourself excuses. But once you stop giving yourself excuses, you need to prioritize getting that thing done. Because if you're not making your goals of travel a priority, then they're far less likely to happen. I know people that worked overtime for a year, two years, three years, four years to save up enough money to fund a very, very long solo backpacking trip or whatever else it is that you want to fund, whatever goal you have travel-wise, you need to cut down on spending that is not really relevant. And that sounds extremely selfish, but that is quite honestly how I afford to do anything. That's how most people who travel afford to do it. You buy cheap plane tickets. You sacrifice days on end at layovers. But it's more than just purchasing budget airline tickets. It's more than just traveling minimally. It's more than just staying in a hostel or going to a cheap location. The core piece that people often forget is that in order for you to make these things happen, you have to always think about things from the perspective of, is this going to benefit me in the long run? Is purchasing this latte three times a week, and that is probably the most cheesy example of saving money or living on a budget. But seriously, is buying a more expensive grocery going to help you? And now I'm not saying don't go buy ice cream or whatever it is. If you want to be able to fund something, you should be evaluating your purchases from the perspective of, is this going to take away from my ability to eventually pay for this plane ticket or eventually fund this trip? Now, not absolutely everything has to be centered around travel, but the more you focus on it, the more tangible it becomes. Generally, what I try to do 
is to put away a certain percentage of my paychecks. Now, in the past couple summers, in between uni terms, I've worked several jobs. In fact, racked up as, as many hours as I possibly could between those several jobs. And a certain percentage of each of those paychecks goes into a separate savings account, which I use to very explicitly buy plane tickets or whatever elements I need for a specific trip in order to make that trip happen. And honestly, the rest of my money magically disappears to paying rent, utilities, all these things. The moral is not only should you be saving money in order to fulfill whatever goal you have it about travel, but the more you prioritize travel, not only are you giving yourself a financial capability to pursue that dream, but if you mentally prioritize this idea you have about a trip or an experience, the more you're going to value that experience. And consequentially, you will, and I hope that this is the case, but you'll seek to enrich that experience in any way that you can. Now, obviously, I'm an advocate for embracing foreign cultures and new experiences and really just getting down to it, talking to people, challenging yourself, wandering around a city, getting completely lost, all these great things that essentially add to your quality of life. So say you're moving to a new place, what would you do in that place? Approach everything as though it's a completely new experience and don't close your mind to those things. When you start to put travel at the forefront of your mind, you're going to value that travel more and you're going to value your experience more. And in doing so, you are valuing culture at a higher level. You're placing a very high importance on not only your experience, but what that does is it impacts the experience of everyone else. And I've, I've said this time and time again, and I will continue to repeat it over and over and over. But by going into things with a mindset of you do need to operate into a, in a, within a budget, you'll, you'll be taking advantage of opportunities that you may not necessarily do otherwise. And more often than not, those experiences are much more interesting and tell a far better story than just, I stayed at a five-star resort in Bali. Again, don't get me wrong, I really, really would love to do that, but I don't think that that's possible right now. Absolutely not. In fact, I can guarantee it's not possible right now. Not for me, anyway. And... Actually, you know, I'll give you some of the resources that I use because I know that I get questioned about that a lot. I get a lot of questions from friends, family, and complete strangers about not only how do I afford travel, but then one step beyond that, what are, what are the ways that I approach affording travel? How do I save myself money in those instances? And to begin with the very basics, first of all, pick locations that aren't going to immediately cost you thousands and thousands pick locations that are unique and interesting of course but those locations tend to be cheaper southeast asia when i was in madagascar 
everything is incredibly cheap in Madagascar. And that's partially because it's the tourism industry is not very large, but also the people don't buy that many expensive things. And so the flight there was astronomically expensive, but once I was there, everything was very accessible and very affordable. So in order to get myself places, and I say this, this flight cost me thousands. But regardless, I still think it was worth it. Um, but what I use for flights are there are several different resources. And again, I touch on this in the article online, but I'll mention them here as well. We have a very obvious Skyscanner. You have Expedia and different travel agencies. But most of you will probably be familiar with these. If you're not, Skyscanner is a price comparison website, as is Momondo, um, as is Expedia, Google Flights. I'm not a huge fan of Google Flights, just because I'm not very good at making it work for me. And I don't know if that's because I'm technologically challenged or the site itself is not great to use. If you have an opinion on the matter, I'd love to hear it. But I personally, my go-to is Skyscanner. And if I can't find really what I want at Skyscanner, I will go to Momondo or I'll go to certain websites. Um, for example, if I am looking for a way to get to Europe, I will go on the websites of airlines that I know fly through certain hubs. And you'll learn this as you travel, as you go, if you pay attention. An airport that flies through a hub, for example, in the United States. Delta is far cheaper. Any flight on Delta is way cheaper if you fly out of Atlanta because that's where the airline is based. If you're flying Iceland Air from Reykjavik, it's far cheaper than obviously fly, flying from Atlanta to Europe on Iceland Air. That kind of thing makes a lot more sense and you'll be able to pay attention more to that as you fly more or if you do your research. But sometimes what I'll do to get a cheap flight or to get myself somewhere is I will route myself through different major hub airports and use airlines that I know fly between those hubs on a regular basis. And that cuts down on prices. If you are looking for a long haul flight, that is something you can do. It's a little bit more difficult because as I say, you kind of have to be familiar with who flies where, how often they fly, whether those things are actually cheap because some airlines even though they have a hub in a certain airport don't necessarily make their flights that much cheaper so sometimes it's not worth it but if you are keen give it a try see if you can figure it out it is a fun game to play sometimes um, but yes skyscanner momondo expedia google flights all good resources two other really helpful websites that i'll mention here are hopper and Hopper's not, it's not, well, it's an app, actually. And what it does is it notifies you when the price for a flight from one location to another is cheap, like when the best time is to buy that flight by all these algorithms and price analyses that are far beyond my head. But it is very useful. Um, I have a friend who just purchased a flight from Minneapolis to... Dublin and to Amsterdam and then back and I think the whole thing is costing her just over $400 I could be completely wrong 
but she used Hopper for that. So if you are intent on going somewhere between certain dates, but those dates are a little bit flexible, give Hopper a try. It's absolutely worth it. And then finally, and this website is near and dear to my heart, is Secret Flying. Now, the amazing thing about Secret Flying is that what they do is they post airfares or when an airline is offering some seats for super cheap or travel between certain destinations is extremely inexpensive. The only downside to secret flying is that none of these flights are flexible. So most of them are between two exact set locations and only for certain dates. And a lot of them are available right away. So you can go hop on a flight tomorrow and it'll be super expensive. So secret flying is really great if you don't really have a preference for where you want to go, how long you want to go there, or anything else. But if you kind of are just looking to get away for a short period of time, get on secret flying. This is how I afforded going to Trinidad. I found a round trip ticket from where I lived in the U.S. to Port of Spain for, oh my god, how much was it? It was like $250 round trip, like there and back, $250 through secret flying. And it was only a week. The dates weren't very far apart, obviously. But because I had a friend there, the whole trip was super affordable. And I... Secret flying is, it doesn't, you don't pay through the site. It takes you to whatever the airline is and you pay the airline directly. So it's a really great site. So give it a browse. I have a bad habit of hopping on it when I'm tipsy. Luckily, I haven't purchased anything yet, though. I'm really, really hoping it doesn't come to that because then I might have an actual addiction. But I've managed to avoid it thus far. So those are some of my favorite resources for getting cheap flights. Again, airlines, that we see so many budget airlines. There are so many tips online if you just Google how to find cheap flights. Thousands of resources, but that's just my advice for you. And, you know, use whatever resources you find, obviously. But for my own personal preferences, that's what it is. I also use uh, Go Euro a lot because currently I'm living in the Netherlands. And Go Euro gives me a good idea of not only what what I can do to get between places, but how much it'll cost me on the bus, the train, the to fly from an airport. And so I'm able to kind of gauge at least how much it might cost for me to go visit a friend or go to this location or whatever. So Go Euro is also useful. I know a lot of people that use Rome to Rio as well. Again, I'm not a super big fan of Rome to Rio just because I'm very bad at using it, but it is sometimes far more helpful uh, for figuring out how to get to a certain location as opposed to just using Google Maps. But I don't know, if you're lost, my biggest advice is to ask somebody and then to ask somebody else and then to get a third opinion and then add those up. Because if you just ask one person, you can't guarantee they understood you. And that is how I ended up in the middle of the countryside in Germany, when I was supposed to be at an airport. So, take it from me, don't immediately trust people. 
There are language barriers, even if you don't think there are language barriers, or people just don't care about what you're saying. Or maybe they just want to play a practical joke on you. I don't, I don't know. But regardless, getting to and from places within a country is a little bit less of a concern as opposed to just getting there. But yeah, that's my advice for navigation to and from places. And honestly, when you are in certain locations like Europe, it's obviously very easy to travel within Europe once you're there, especially within the EU, Eurozone. Similarly, Southeast Asia is very easy to travel, and it's not terribly expensive to get from location to location, and most people figure that out as they go along. And the same thing is what I ran into in South America, because there are buses, now if you're willing to sit on a bus for 30 hours, then you can get between countries very easily, and it's usually very affordable. And you only really have access to that when you're in that country. Only then does it become accessible and reasonable to assume that that's a beneficial thing for you to explore or take advantage of. So I wouldn't worry too much once you're in locations where it's clearly very easy to switch in between. Enough people backpack South America that you're going to be able to travel from Ecuador to Colombia to Venezuela to Brazil down to Bolivia Argentina so many people have done that or done similar trips that it's unreasonable to assume that you wouldn't be able to figure it out very easily obviously plenty of people have backpacked Europe plenty of people have backpacked Southeast Asia so it's not as though any of those locations or travel between those locations are going to be completely inaccessible trust in your ability to solve problems seriously the moment you start doubting yourself is the moment that you need to step back, give yourself 10 minutes to just freak out in the middle of a train station, wherever the hell you are. Give yourself time to just panic and then go back to reason. But just remember that you've made it this far in life and you are able to solve whatever problem that you've run into. I believe in you. You should believe in you. It's as simple as that. So I guess that's my third and we'll call it final tip for you. But believe in your ability to solve whatever problem you have and believe in your ability to confidently approach new people, new traditions, new cultures, completely foreign languages. Even if you don't understand what's going on around you, be confident in your ability to figure it out, embrace it. Curiosity gets you so far. Being interested, genuinely interested, will drag you into experiences that you could not ever expect, that I couldn't even tell you to expect. There are things that are completely unique in the situation, and you have to believe in yourself and in your ability to run into those. And when times get hard, that's life. Whether you're in some tiny little village in the middle of Bolivia or you're at a resort in Portugal or you're sitting in your bed at home, life sucks sometimes and that's just how it is. But you have to believe 
in your ability to move on, to take what you have and to build something from it. And you do that through your own strength. And it's fine to break down. And I've, I've said this, but I think it's super important. It's something that people don't often address when we talk about travel and when we talk about how, what it's like to live on the road. I see so many people asking for advice on, I feel so alone in my hostel. I just, I don't want to be out and about in the city that I'm in. I'm here for three days, but I just want to sit in bed and watch Netflix. Then sit in bed and watch Netflix. This is your experience. You're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to be mad. You're allowed to be ecstatic. You're allowed to be curious. You're allowed to completely abandon your travel plans. And you're allowed to travel exactly along whatever itinerary you have. Don't let anybody tell you that there is one singular way to travel. That there is one path that you have to follow to be a budget traveler, to be a solo backpacker, to be a trekker in Patagonia, or whatever it is. That's the beautiful thing about travel is you have the capacity to do whatever you want with it. And of course, my opinion is that the best way to do that is to live within cultures and to talk to people and interact. But more than anything else, the most important thing is that everyone you run into is in a completely different stage is in, even whether they're a traveler or not, the people you speak to are all in completely different places in life. And that is what makes it so interesting to be in a new place, to be experiencing something new. And you have to believe in yourself that you can flourish in that environment, no matter what your holdbacks or setbacks, no matter what kind of setbacks you have, that's the best way to go about traveling. So to kind of draw myself into a conclusion here, I just want you to remember that in order to make travel, well, let's stick to my own theme here, in order to make travel more of a culturally enriching experience, to make it more accessible in general, and to really give yourself the greatest opportunity to benefit, to flourish, to grow from those experiences, there are three things that you need to do. Number one, quit making excuses. Stop telling yourself you can't and just do. Give yourself a new mindset and you're already a million steps further towards achieving what it is that you want to achieve. You're so much closer to getting where you want to go just by saying that you can do it. And you know you can do it because you're prioritizing that opportunity. You're prioritizing your goals. You're making them real and tangible. And the moment you accept that something is real and it's no longer a figment of your imagination, it's no longer a daydream, it's no longer just a bucket list with ink on paper, or I guess in modern times, maybe it's in Google Drive or in a Word document. I don't know. But the moment you prioritize travel, 
it becomes so much more real. And finally, number three is you need to have confidence in yourself and your ability to not only exist in that stage of being on the road, of being in new places, but you need to have confidence in your ability to adapt and grow and change because that is what travel is. It is you adapting to new environments. It's you adapting to life in this strange phase of in-between. And it's an absolutely amazing thing. And there are so many, 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 many things that could happen to you. All of them are going to make you stronger. They're going to build your character. And you just have to have confidence. Have faith in yourself. That's really all it takes. I think people don't often really realize that because you say, oh, plane ticket is so expensive. It must be so difficult. I can't really take time off work. I've got university. It doesn't matter. You can work it in. You can fit it in. The moment you want to stop daydreaming and make something real is the moment you can. You just have to want it, really. It may take time. It may take two weeks for you to save up the money. It may take two years. But trust me, it's worth it. And that's one of the things I think I believe down to my core. And so I really, really, really hope that you feel at least, at least a little bit more confident, at least a little bit less hesitant. And I hope that you feel like you can do it because you can. So that's really all I have to say. I won't keep you for too much longer. I know I've been talking for a very long time. But really quickly, I just wanted to say thank you guys for listening and thank you for being super patient. The last month has been completely hectic and I need to listen to my own advice and stop making excuses. But it has been really wild and so I'm very happy to be back in and working with this and I've got some really exciting ideas coming up but keep an eye on it. the website keep an eye on the blog keep an eye on social media go like the Facebook page uh, but keep an eye out you can subscribe of course on Google Play on Stitcher on Podcast Addicts and then of course we are on iTunes as well but I'm happy as always to have all of you so thank you very much for listening to all of you that are regular subscribers thank you so much and i hope that everything else we've got in store for the next coming weeks will be just as exciting and absolutely worth the wait so thank you for your patience and i will speak to you all next time
Thank you.